Hello and welcome to Delightful. I'm your host, Lisa McCrowan. Delightful is where science and psychology meet spirituality and creativity to help you follow what delights your heart and live a life you deeply love. Welcome back to another episode of Delightful. I am so glad that you are here and you are tuning in, and I am so grateful to be accompanying you wherever you are. This episode, this is a special episode because it is in response to what I've been hearing from my clients and coaching and psychotherapy, from friends, from family. We are exhausted. Not only because right now as I'm recording, it is May 2022, and May can be filled with a lot of frenetic energy, just so much going on, graduations, things are ending, there's all these things that we're trying to wrap up, but also because we've been going through a pandemic in the last couple of years. And even before the pandemic, I was hearing about how we were tired. Now I hear how we're exhausted. We are burnt out. I'm calling this time right now the great exhaustion. And my hope is that we can go from the great exhaustion to the great redesign. The great redesign. So we can redesign our lives, how we work, how we relate, how we do business in such a way that wellness becomes a major priority. It is just weaved into how we do things. It's just weaved into our day so that wellness becomes a way of life, not just an afterthought. Because we are soul exhausted and our bodies, minds, and souls need a new way of being, a great redesign. So if you have been feeling exhausted, tired, under-resourced, burnt out, you're not alone. And today I hope that this episode nourishes you and supports you. In this episode, you'll hear me share soul care practices, soul care practices that help to heal our nervous systems and help us with this great redesign. And I'm calling this part one of the soul care practices. If you'd like part two, sign up for my Delightful Divas. It's my monthly membership that supports this podcast. And I will share with you a whole part two of soul care practices that you can use to nourish yourself and to really shift things in your life, in your nervous system, in your family, and in in your work. And I will share all the details in the show notes below. Let's get started. A coaching client recently asked me, when is it time to say enough is enough and actually do less? I hear things like this all the time. Things like, I can't keep going like this. I'm exhausted. I'm burnt out. I'm done taking care of people. I just numb out on Netflix and lay there on the couch scrolling through social media. I'm exhausted, but I can't sleep. Let's name this. We are doing too much. We are exhausted. We are 
on all the time. Like we are some device that, well, we even devices need recharging. Now we don't need another study to tell us what our bodies, minds, and souls already know. We are tired, fried, and done. This is the great exhaustion. We live in a culture that prizes productivity, that doesn't stop, that feeds off of competition. Our nervous systems weren't designed to be stuck in constant stress mode, go mode. We go, go, go until we collapse and then we, re- we repeat that pattern over and over. We go until we snap, snap at the grocery store clerk for ringing up the wrong price of tomatoes, snap at the coworker for bringing the wrong report to a meeting, snap at our dear one for not doing the dishes. We go until we drop, drop, flop into bed where we, ironically, are so wired we can't sleep. We go until we drop, drop to the ground from a heart attack. This is not about getting more organized or learning a new trendy time management skill. This is not about trying to get all the things we usually do and get them done and have them into a a nice, neat package of a schedule. This is about overhauling the system, your nervous system, your day, your family system, your work, our culture. I get it. You might be like, well, how can I do that? It feels too overwhelming because picking out toothpaste feels too overwhelming right now, let alone overhauling your own system. Let's be honest, though. You cannot, we cannot keep doing things the way we have been doing them. Something has to shift big time. We cannot keep going at the rate we've been going. We cannot keep doing business the way we've been doing business. The 40-hour work week is antiquated, and it's not even really 40 hours. It's more like 40 plus, 50. Why have Gen Xers, I'm one of them, left jobs and gone to another? Because organizations have dropped us. They dropped our pensions. They got us to work longer hours for less pay. They stopped caring about the worker. Our organizations need to reorganize around wellness, true wellness. They need to not just offer programs to look good, but our leaders need to model wellness. As a leader, what do you eat? What food is served in your cafeteria? Have you seen what subsidized breakfasts look like at public schools? Have you seen vending machines in hospitals that sell candy bars and Coca-Cola? Do you, as a leader, get up and move your body throughout the day? Do you support wellness breaks every day? Is where you work a culture of care? Does it promote wellness? Is your workplace a place that integrates the whole well-being of every aspect of, quote-unquote, doing business, from the policies to the activities of everyday work life? Does your workplace care about the emotional, physical, social, financial, and professional well-being of its employees? How does it demonstrate that? What about flexible work hours? What about including workers in decision-making? What about promoting wellness and creating an environment of well-being? Do your work teams talk about things like leading with compassion? Yes, 
Do they actually use that word compassion? How do leaders in your organization give and take criticism? Are workers allowed to disconnect after a certain time in the evening? Do employees use vacations to recover? That isn't a sign of a healthy workplace. We shouldn't have to take vacations because we're exhausted. We should take vacations because we want to play and explore and go on adventures. Wellness needs to be a way of life at work and in our homes and in our own lives. I am noticing this as a woman in midlife. My holistic well-being is my priority. And with each year, it is becoming even more and more and more of a priority. And I am putting more time and effort and energy into my well-being. Let's pause here for a moment. And I have a poem for you. So you might want to sit back for a moment and soften or close your eyes And this poem is unpublished still. It's not in one of my books. And it's called A New Pace to My Day. A New Pace to My Day. I no longer work or go about my day from a place of rush and hurry. I do not motivate myself with harshness or self-judgment. I do not take actions that are forced by fear shoulds, and franticness. I slow down to honor myself and go at a pace that is loving and kind. I take actions that feel like alignment. I motivate myself with love. Here's another unpublished poem called She Needed to Be. She needed to be in her own energy, to listen to her own heart and intuition, to feel guidance arising from within her. She needed to be outside in nature, to lay against the earth and feel its quiet, ancient hum vibrating through every cell in her body. She needed to be offline and with people, laughing, connecting, and sharing stories. She needed to be alone with her journal, her body, and her God until she was satisfied and ready. So how can we begin to live like this? How can we create a new pace to our day? to no longer work or go about our day from a place of rush and hurry or to go about that or to be in that rush and hurry so often? How can we take actions that aren't forced to on us by fears or shoulds and franticness and instead take up the space we need, be in our own energy, listen to our own hearts and intuition How do we find the space and time to be out in nature and reconnect to the earth and feel that ancient hum vibrating through us and spend more time with the people that we love? How can we slow down to honor ourselves and to go at a pace that is loving and kind? I'd love to share with you some soul care practices. 
Now, some of these are going to sound obvious. Some of them are like, oh my gosh, yes, that's it. And I'm sharing them with you because they're all, they're doable. They're doable. But I want to emphasize this. This is not just another time management strategy. This is not just another way of trying to get more in and and not have to change our environment and change the pace at which we go at. We're going to have to make some big changes in our life. Now, we're going to start small. We're going to start micro. I will share about how we can do that. But we got to look at like, uh uh-uh, we are changing the system, our nervous system, our family system, our work system our culture. And so let me share some of these soul care strategies, these soul care practices with you that begin to change the lens we look through and that so that wellness can be our major priority in our lives, work, and relationships. First, let's go back to the basics What are your values? Know what your values are. And then when you have your values, and don't 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 overcomplicate this. Keep it simple, keep it doable, keep it enjoyable. What do you value as a person, as a family? And then identify your non-negotiables related to your values. Your non-negotiables related to your values. Because the world will spin you inside and out and take whatever it can from you, whatever you got. And you got to know what you value so you can say, hang on world, no, not this time. So you can say no to what doesn't serve your well-being and yes to what does. The world will vie for your attention. It will tug on your attention and pull you away from what matters if you allow it. So pull back your attention and place it on what matters to you. It can be as simple as pausing and placing your hand on your heart, feeling the aliveness of a full exhale and saying, I am here. I am listening. Here is one of our family values. We love to spend time together. We, one of our values is that like we actually want to see each other That value has guided the particular jobs my husband and I have taken or not taken. It's guided the activities our children get involved in or don't get involved in. And that value has guided the schedules we keep. Just here's one story related to that. Years ago, I left a wonderful full-time position at a prestigious university, Georgetown University, because I was not present the way I wanted to be when my children were young. So instead, they really tried to work with me. And then what we decided is that I began to do consulting with the university with hours that I could reasonably do. And to this day, I still do wellness consulting for Georgetown. Now, are there trade-offs? Yes. Like leaving a full-time position meant no tuition breaks then for my children, you know, college tuition breaks. It meant that I became the sole practitioner and a sole practitioner and I went back to my private practice, my private clinical practice without benefits. Now I know this decision isn't for everyone, nor is it available to everyone, but it's an example of evaluating, am I healthy? Is this work life thing really balanced? 
Is this healthy for my family? Is this healthy for me? And then getting creative about what would be healthier. Here's another family value of ours. So spending time together. My children play traveling or club sports, and they're involved in scouts and music. During the spring and fall seasons, if you all play soccer, you know this, or your kids play soccer, we are busy with practices and games. But in winter and summer, we use that time to do less. And sure, of course, with club soccer, there's still indoor soccer in the, in the winter, and there's clinics and things in the summer, but they're not, it's not such a rigorous schedule as in the spring and the fall. So we make sure in the winter, we do fun stuff together. Like if y'all have been following me for a while, you know that we ski, we love to ski. My daughter had thought about getting on the ski team and we're like, do you really want to do that? Like, wouldn't that kind of take the enjoyment out of skiing? And as of right now, we she thought too, it's like, no, not right now. And I'm so great, glad about that because it was like, we want to just ski to have fun and to be together and go on a, go on winter adventures together. And then, and then in the summer, we use that as downtime, lots of downtime. And yet, during the sports seasons, so in the fall and the spring, it's one of our non-negotiables that we eat at least three meals together, meaning or like three dinners together at the kitchen table, at the kitchen table. That's not always easy, and it might be for just five minutes, but we eat together. That is one of my ways of saying to the world, no, 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 wait, hang on a second. You cannot have every little moment of my time or my children's time. Now, we don't do this all perfectly, my husband and I, but Brian and I are aware of this value, this, this value of spending time together. And we try to keep that really close to us. And we, we let our values lead our decisions. This is one reason why people might come to me and hire me as their integrative coach, because they recognize that they're tired, exhausted. There's a, there's a, a disconnect between their values and the way that they're living for their own selves, for their family. And they want to change. They want to become more aligned with what really matters to them. I want to acknowledge that it can be really difficult to get real with ourselves because then we see like, oh man, this position with me as a senior partner at the accounting firm or senior partner at the law firm or my, my medical practice, it's too much. It's too much. And I'm ignoring my well-being and it's just not good for me. It's toxic. It can be really hard to admit that, but I'd rather you admit that now. I'd rather my clients admit that now and we can get creative with how to, the next right action to take in order to be well. Sometimes it's not the huge extreme that like, oh my gosh, I totally need to quit. And we think so black and white about it. Sometimes there are creative ways to still do what you're passionate about but in a much, much more balanced way. And that's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. So I'd rather, with my clients, I love it when people come to me like, I'm ready to get clear, I think, sort of. Oh, I have to admit this to myself. And like, we got this, we got this. So together we figure out ways that 
they can identify their top values, identify the non-negotiables, and then take actions that are more aligned with their values and are about supporting their well-being. It's possible. It's possible. So I put that out to you too. Get clear on your values and then some of your non-negotiables. And if you need help doing that, contact me about integrative coaching. I'd love to support you. This next soul care practice is going to sound really obvious. And many of these are. And it's interesting because a lot of times the basics are the most foundational and the most important for our well-being. So let's talk about our physical health. As a somatic experiencing psychotherapist, I have studied the nervous system and I work with the nervous system on an everyday basis with my clients. I know the impact of toxic stress and trauma that, it, that these have on our bodies. And in this famous phrase, the body bears the burden. It is so true. The body bears the burden. We can only keep ignoring our bodies for so long. Eventually, the body wins out. And I describe this pattern with my clients. And when I, when I describe this, like, oh my gosh, this is so me. And it's the pattern that so many of our nervous systems are in. It's the pattern of we go, go, go. And we are in this sympathetic activation, this fight or flight. And then we override the nervous system's innate desire to rest and digest, to come into some being softened and soothed and connection. We override that. We override it and we stay in that higher sympathetic activation. But get this, eventually our nervous system is like, our body's like, we cannot maintain this level of sympathetic or that fight or flight activation. And then we collapse. It's like a huge break being put down onto this, the nervous system. And we shut down. And then many of us just keep going with that pattern. We go, go, go. We have this high sympathetic activation. And then it becomes too much. And our system's like, "Uh uh-uh, done, bye. What we want to have instead is this nice, smooth connection between the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, it's much more complex than that. There are actually two parts to the the parasympathetic nervous system, the dorsal vagal complex and the ventral vagal complex. Maybe some of this sounds familiar to you, especially if you're a client of mine. We've talked about those things. I've even talked to my, my coaching clients about it because so many of us are in this nervous system pattern. And what we want is just this nice connection, though, between this nice, smooth thing where it's like, okay, so we get a little bit activated, we have something that we have stress, and then we give ourselves the space and the grace to rest and digest, to be softened, to be soothed, to integrate our experiences of the day and connect with our hearts, our bodies, one another with nature. That is what we're going for. A smoother curve of this, of this uh, smoother wave. If you could just imagine like right now, I'm kind of waving my hand a little bit up, a little bit down, right? Rather than these huge, sharp spikes of go, 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 and then collapse. That is so wearing on the nervous system. And we might get away with it for a little while, 
But eventually, eventually it catches up to us. We have high blood pressure. We, um, we collapse. We say we're going through a mental health crisis. We snap in some way. Uh, we start we start missing things. We start, uh, we start forgetting things, a whole host of stuff. We get in an accident. We get sick. I'd much rather prevent that. And that is why then I focus on the body. We need to revolutionize how we regard our bodies, how we see our bodies, and how we treat our bodies. So I know what I'm about to share with you sounds pretty radical, and it is. And it's a way of, again, looking at our body, treating our body with such regard. Here it is. Treat your body as a temple. A what? Yes, a temple. A holy space and place. You are a vessel for the creative force of the universe. Yet, what do we do? We usually tend to override, ignore, dismiss, disregard our bodies. I'm working on this too. Like when my first book came out in 2017, Gems of Delight, I was so anxious. I would focus more on social media and telling the world about my book than my own body. I would sit too long and work too long. I got headaches from being online too much. My hips hurt from sitting so much. I decided with my second book, Your Light is Rising, that first I wasn't going to write a book the next year, even though I always have like two, three book ideas in my mind and in my heart, even though I am a recovering type A personality, they're like, oh, I wanted to write another book right away. Uh-uh. I made a vow to myself that I would not write another book until I gave myself some space to recoup. And I also would not write another book. How do I say this? Let me say it in the positive. I would write my second book in a way that honored my body. And for the most part, I feel like I really did that. Your light is rising. I wanted to come out with it in, let me see. Okay, it was, I wanted to come out with it in spring of 2020. Spring of 2020. Do you remember what was going on then? The start of the pandemic. And I pulled the the plug on that, I said, "Mm -mm, hang on, wait a second. If I push and push to make this book happen and to do the Kickstarter campaign and all that for it, because I I independently, independently publish my books. I was like, I, and still do my clinical practice. I was like, no way that it would not be good for me, for my body, for my mind, for my, for my family. And so, although I wanted to do it in spring of 2020, get it published, I didn't publish it until January of 2021. I kept that vow to myself that I was going to treat my body so much differently than when I did the first book. I know that many of our bodies have been abused and hurt So we play out these patterns of continuing to hurt ourselves, to take it out on ourselves. Many of us learned that we should ignore our needs and care for others first. Let's end that pattern. Let it stop here today. You are a beautiful, breathing human being. You deserve such care and tender attention. 
right now with me. You might even want to take a moment and gently place your hands on your cheeks and gently caress your cheeks. Gently massage your jaw. Gently massage your neck and your shoulders. Gently massage the heart space and your belly and the sides of your body, your back, your hips, your legs, all the way down to your feet. And then let your hands come to rest at the temple of your heart and breathe these words into existence. Dear body, I love you. I want or I want to love you. Dear body, I love you or I want to love you. When it comes to treating your body as a temple, start micro, start mini. Carry a pretty water bottle with you. Hydrate your body. Take one a one-minute wellness break to stretch, to do some qigong, to, to bounce, to sway, to go outside. Just one minute a few times a day. Bring your attention to the way your breath caresses you and wants to nourish you. Any moment of the day, you have your breath with you and you can bring your attention to the way your breath caresses you and wants to nourish you. As you are in a staff meeting, as you are commuting to work, as you are trying to keep your your patience and your cool with your teenager, before you're going to bed at night, let your breath caress you and nourish you. So let's take a moment together again then. And let me share this poem with you. It's called Savoring a Break. This is an unpublished poem too, so going to go in one of my books soon. Savoring a Break. Perhaps in this moment, you can soften just a bit and relax into the breath breathing you. Perhaps you can take a break and go outside, take a walk in nature, sing a song, dance to your favorite music, call a friend, play with a child, or just rest on the couch. Perhaps this moment doesn't have to be filled, but rather experienced and savored. I have to share with you that when I said the words, when I read the words, relax into the breath, breathing you, our dog Sherlock took this nice inhale and then this nice exhale. I didn't know if you could hear it or not. I still kept it in. Ah, Animals know, right? So awesome. Another soul care practice that I want to share with you then is 
boundaries. Oh my, everything I do in my work with clients is about boundaries, healthy boundaries that regard you, your body, your time, your energy, life force, heart, dreams, personhood. I could talk with you about boundaries forever, and maybe I'll have to end up doing a full episode that is just about boundaries. We'll see. But what I often hear from people is that we end up saying yes to things or committing to things way too quickly, and that before we know it, we've said yes to things, and then we're like, oh my gosh, like this actually doesn't work for me. This actually isn't helpful or healthy for me and my family. So... And as a side note too, I've once I started doing this practice, things changed for me. This is like now at least 15 years that I've been saying and using this practice and saying these words. And it has so helped me because there used to be times when I was working on a team and somebody would ask me something and I would, I, I kind of didn't know what was happening. I just knew that something didn't sound right. I didn't really have the words in the moment. And I didn't know what to say because maybe part of my people pleaser would pop up and then, but also I knew something wasn't exactly jiving right within me and it was too stressful in the moment. And then later I'd think about it and then I'm like, okay, no, I'm pretty clear. These are my feelings about it. These are my thoughts. This is the next action that I need to take. So these words and this practice has totally helped me. So I hope it helps you too in recognizing that your time, your energy your personhood matters and to have a boundary around how much you are putting out and giving to the world. So the next time that you are in a situation and someone's asking something of you, you can use these five magical words to buy you some time and let you think about it and sit before you commit. So here are the five words. Let me sit with that. Let me sit with that. Whenever I'm not certain or I'm confused or there's a lot going on in the conversation and I'm asked to deliver something or to commit to something that I'm just not quite sure of, I say, let me sit with that. Let me sit with that. If you've worked with me in coaching or psychotherapy, then I've probably shared these five words with you before. Shoot, I might have even said that before. Like, oh, let me sit with that and shared that with you too. My buy me some time to sort out what I want to say and how I want to honor me, five words. Those are my five words. So you try it out too. Let me sit with that. And then when you have sat with it, when you've considered things, then reply with your answer in the medium that allows you to best say what you need to say and stick with it for your boundary whether that's through text or phone call, an email, person to person, you pick the medium that best agrees with you, that's going to help you keep that boundary. I have more soul care practices for you. So let's call this what we've just shared today, part one. And if you'd like to keep going, if you'd like to still get some more ideas and these practices, these soul care practices for part two, join me and my delightful divas for how to like protect your peace, practice presence, create space and more soul care practices. When you become a monthly member of Delightful Divas, you'll have access to the rest of the soul care practices. So part two, 
that are all about helping you to nourish your nervous system and make wellness a way of life, not just an afterthought. Before we close, I'd love to share a few poems with you in a moment that are along this theme of reclaiming our time, of caring for us, of establishing boundaries, of taking care of our bodies. I just first want you to know that if you feel burnt out, fried and done, you are not alone. And I am calling this the great exhaustion. We have been doing too much and our nervous systems and our bodies, minds and souls are saying enough. So let's change up that unhealthy nervous system pattern of going, 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 and then collapsing. Let's heal the overwhelm within us and our world. Go back to the basics. What are your values? What are your non-negotiables? Treat your body as a temple. Carry a pretty water bottle with you. Weave a mini wellness break or two or three into your day. Bring your attention to the breath caressing and nourishing you. Practice healthy boundaries like the let me sit with it practice. This is all part of part one to make wellness a way of life, not just an afterthought. So let's end with these poems. And again, let this be a poetic experience, a a poetic experience for you to sit back and your nervous system to be nourished. Maybe if it's safe for you, wherever you are right now, you can soften or close your eyes and just receive the nourishment of these three poems. It's time for quiet. This poem is from my book, Your Light is Rising. That's enough work for one day, love. Put down the pen and paper, close the computer, put the phone on silent, it's time to rest. It's time to devote your energy and time to quiet. Come back to you. Slowly move your body and stretch. Like an ocean wave, feel the vibrant inhale and the cleansing exhale of the breath breathing you. Return to the altar of your heart and let me sit beside you breathing, resting, dreaming together. Soak in the beauty that you are, now older, softer, and yet even more deeply sensual and lovely. Rest in luscious surrender. I'll fuel you and guide you tomorrow. Now, just rest. Learning what is good enough. This also is from my book, Your Light is Rising. This is good enough for today. I will not put more pressure on these precious shoulders of mine or prod myself to keep going. This is good enough for today. A long to-do list still sits on the kitchen island. I did not make that grocery list I planned on creating, but Jesus, this is good enough for today. 
I helped a friend make a decision to stand for justice. I hugged my children, fed the dog, planted a row of tulips, wiped the crumbs off the table and onto the floor, which fed the dog again. I saw a few clients, gave them my best attention and focus. I made big old pizzas before taking my children to soccer. This is good enough for today. It's time to know my limits, call back my energy, and allow myself time to replenish. It's time to do the most courageous act of loving myself with exquisite regard, loving my body, nourishing her, and regarding her as a temple that has offered enough for one day. A woman's peace in midlife. The older I get, the less I want. The less I look for approval, the less I base my happiness on circumstances, the less I try to change people, the less I carry. And the more I'm aware of the brevity of this life, the more I trust in the Beloved's guidance, the more I love my body, and the more I find delight in the smallest of everyday moments, like my children curled up next to me on the sofa, my breath on a crisp winter day, warm socks, tea with a dear friend, my puppy snoring, the golden pinks of the sun setting, and in the quiet of the evening, taking my husband's hand and saying, come to bed, my love. Until next time, may you be delighted.